This is the Schnitt Show. Debt ceiling and Biden and McCarthy meeting in 23 minutes or so. That's what they say around 530 today. It's Speaker McCarthy and Biden one-on-one at the White House. Uh, Anybody else in the room? Uh, We'll see if we can find out. Uh, Welcome back. Schnitt here, hour number three. I'll give you the latest on the debt crisis and also uh, what Wall Street thinks. Uh, Specifically, what Goldman Sachs, what their analysts are saying, based on our spend, how much money's in the Treasury, and when we would technically default, when we would run out of money, and it's not June 1st, as Janet Yellen has said. So hold on, I'll give you that number in just a minute. First, though, I mentioned this earlier. Let me get this out of the way, because this is uh, just an example of social media, uh, artificial intelligence, uh, doctored video, doctored audio, uh, and this is a massive concern. Um, Is there an opportunity down the road that we have a a calamity on planet Earth because of uh, fake audio and video of uh, AI, for instance, uh, being used? But we already know that uh, AI can uh, take uh, some voice samples from somebody and uh, just imitate it, copy it, uh, so you can create uh, whole sentences that people didn't actually say in something that's close enough to their voice, which could fool people. We've talked about that on this show numerous times. Now, the latest today is a purported explosion near the Pentagon. And this was fake. It was a total hoax. And this image of billowing black smoke right adjacent to the Pentagon, which would seem to indicate like a plane crash or something, that kind of black smoke, uh, that picture was uh, all over social media, all over, uh, you know, uh, online circulation portals uh, earlier today. And uh, the guess is most likely the image was uh, an artificial intelligence image. And it was uh, circulating on Twitter and other online uh, social media sources. And it was some type of an explosion uh, right at the Pentagon. Fake photo, black smoke, Pentagon. And guess what? When this started, this is important. Listen to this. When this image started circulating a little after 10 o'clock Eastern time, So about 10.06 is when the image started circulating. Guess what? Uh, Markets dipped. The stock market, which had been open for a little over half an hour, actually dropped. Not a ton, but uh, the markets dropped by about a quarter percentage point as this fake image started to circulate. But then within about four or five minutes, uh, the market had bounced back up. And the Arlington, Virginia, of course, the Pentagon is over in Virginia, uh, across the Potomac. The uh, Pentagon is in Arlington, northern Virginia. And uh, the Arlington, Virginia Police Department quickly confirmed that the image was a phony. And they put out a tweet. uh, This is the Arlington Police Department. They put out a tweet that read, There is no explosion or incident taking place at or near the Pentagon. And there is no immediate danger or hazards to the public. 
So that's what the uh, Arlington, Virginia police quickly put out after this uh, phony baloney image of uh, some type of a, a blast, an explosion, massive black smoke uh, right next to the Pentagon. Yeah, and, you know, multiple sources uh, had spread this. So uh, you had thousands of Twitter accounts that were uh, retweeting this. So was this a uh, was this a Russian disinformation deal? I mean, many think it could be because you had uh, a, a slew of these conspiracy accounts and a lot of these uh, accounts trying to sow discord uh, in this country are absolutely Russian-run, uh, Chinese-run, uh, run by North Korea, Iran. Uh, but I, the, the Russians and the Chinese are toying around a lot with our social media. So you had, uh, listen, Russia Today, RT, Russia Today, which uh, they don't do anything without the Kremlin approval. I mean, it's a state-affiliated, state-run Russian news operation. RT, they retweeted the image. So uh, numerous uh, reporters uh, quickly, uh, you know, that are near the Pentagon said there's no explosion. There's no black smoke. There's nothing going on. This is a total fake. And uh, numerous uh, investigators and reporters, uh, they also quickly tried to put out tweets saying that there's nothing going on at the Pentagon. uh, And uh, many were saying that this is a phony uh, image that's most likely artificial intelligence generated. Uh, one of the accounts uh, tweeted, uh, one of the accounts, let's see, this is a Nick Waters, who is a uh, digital investigations expert. And this uh, Nick Waters, a reporter, uh, he tweeted out, check out the frontage of the building and the way the fence melds into the crowd barriers. There are also other images, videos, or people posting as firsthand witnesses. And he said, whenever an event like this takes place, it will affect a large number of people. Even leaving aside the fact this picture is clearly AI generated, it's immediately possible to identify this as a fake by geolocation and conducting searches on social media. Yeah, there were numerous uh, accounts on Twitter that reported uh, an explosion, but all those accounts... Uh, apparently had just posted this fake image. So, uh, again, it just shows that if it can cause the stock market to dip, uh, even a quarter of a point in just a couple of minutes, it just shows and highlights the dangers that we face with phony images, phony videos. Uh, And there's a concern that one day uh, war could be started with fake AI. I mean, think of the possibilities. And it is uh, not a pleasant thought. So we got to figure out a way that countries can communicate to verify whether something's uh, real or fake. You know, we, we've we had, uh, you know, uh, phony bogeys. You know, there was a, a time where we came close to a, a nuclear exchange with the Russians because of uh, some erroneous radar data. And uh, the hotlines back and forth were raging. 
you know, I, I thought that with our problems with our Russian relationship right now, I, I thought, uh, wasn't there something that we discontinued the hotline or they're not picking up the freaking phone? Now, that's, that's a major problem. Now, I'm sorry, folks. Uh, we continue to have issues uh, with AI. Uh, all the experts are saying that this could be really, really bad. You remember the audio that I played? Let me see if I can find it. Let me see if I still have this handy. But we played this AI audio. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I can find it. Let me see. Let me open, let me open my files. You know, we had this uh, AI expert, the the CEO of the company that, uh, uh, yeah, here it is. So l- let me play this. For you. This, is, uh, this is truly astounding. And this was uh, Sam, uh, what was his name? Sam uh, Altman. That's right. Sam Altman. And he's the C- co-CEO of the company that created ChatGPT. And if you remember, he was on Capitol Hill last week. And he was saying, I mean, some really scary things about artificial intelligence. I think if this technology goes wrong, it can go quite wrong. (laughs) Hey, well, thank you. If AI goes wrong, it what? I think if this technology goes wrong, it can go quite wrong. Do you have any other encouraging thoughts about artificial intelligence? My worst fears are that we cause significant, we, the field, the technology, the industry, cause significant harm to the world oh yeah there we go this technology causes significant harm to the world why the hell as human beings are we developing this if there are such nefarious possibilities with artificial intelligence i mean listen ai certainly has a place but man we better get a handle on it but even if the civilized world gets a handle on ai what about the uncivilized world that doesn't give a bleep. Anything else? Any other encouraging words that you'd like to share, Mr. Altman? We think that regulatory intervention by governments will be critical. There we go. So just a couple of three excerpts from his testimony on Capitol Hill. Was that early last week, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, I've got those saved in the archives because uh, I'm sure we're going to be playing those in the near future. What a... What a mess. So fake hoax picture, and it started flying all over social media. And that's just another highlight and example of uh, how bad social media can be and uh, the use of uh, AI images uh, to then propagate all over social media. It's like a double whammy. All right, when we get back, we'll bring up to speed on the debt crisis, what's going on. Uh, Biden and McCarthy are set to talk in the next uh, 10 minutes or so, allegedly one-on-one. And when are we supposed to really run out of money? It's not the January or correction. It's not the June 1 that Janet Yellen's been pushing. So according to other uh, industry sources, they've run the calcs, they've run the numbers, So if we're not going to run out of money on June 1st, when do we get critically low that it would be problematic? When would the Treasury funds get so low that the red light is flashing that we might not be able to pay our bills? Hold on. Because I'll get to that next on Schnitt. Back in a minute. Schnittshow.com.
Janet Yellen. Liar! Liar, liar, pants on fire! So Janet Yellen is saying that we could go into default and not have enough money on June 1st to cover our bills. Liar. Goldman Sachs says it's more like June 8th or 9th. All right, so it's a week or so later. But uh, we probably want to get this taken care of uh, sooner rather than later. So Goldman Sachs, the uh, Wall Street investment firm, they put out a little note to their clients on Friday. And their prediction is that we run uh, extremely critically low on money in the U.S. Treasury to cover our bills by either the 8th or 9th of June. So if you look at how much money was, uh, the latest numbers that I have were from last Thursday. And the Treasury supplies this information. You know, give you an example, uh, for instance, we have uh, figures going back, if I look at, uh, early this month, if I look at the 8th of May, so May 8th, there was $215.1 billion in the United States Treasury. And last Thursday, we were down to $57.3 billion. So we've blown through a lot of money in just 10 days. I mean, that's that's a significant amount of money. And the projection is that it's June 8th or 9th that we run critically low. And this is a little memo, a little uh, you know note that Goldman Sachs put out to uh, some of their clients on Friday. So the talks are resuming. Biden and McCarthy, uh, I've got some McCarthy as he was uh, stopped in the halls of the Capitol earlier today. And he was asked a series of questions. And he's really kind of playing it cool. He's very low-key on this. And I I think he's getting some coaching just to act uh, very, very kind of subdued and to uh, don't have all kinds of uh, peaks and valleys and and don't uh, sound like a banshee because he's very kind of level in his speech. And I'll give you an example in just a bit. But the talks are back on. Whether there's uh, an eventual solution, that's what we don't know. You know, all we know for sure is that the clock's ticking and uh, the date of June 1 is being used as the so-called D-Day. But after we had a complete breakdown in these talks, uh, Biden and McCarthy were on the phone yesterday and then afterward, both of them said that the conversation on the phone was productive and they agreed to meet today. And it's set to start in three minutes. It is now, (coughs) excuse me, it's now uh, 527 Eastern time. And it's supposed to meet uh, at about 530. So minutes from right now. So will anything come out of this? What will McCarthy say when he emerges from the White House in half an hour, an hour, longer? I guess we'll have to wait and find out. But I would expect that he will stop at the uh, the microphone tree uh, located right outside of the West Wing uh, portico. So, uh, and that was one of the thrills of my existence. I got to walk uh, right on that driveway, right through those doors. A U.S. Marine uh, held the door open for uh, me as I walked through those doors into the West Wing. 
during the uh, George W. Bush administration. <laughs> it, it was the it was about 2007. Uh, it was uh, the back end of the uh, Bush administration. Yeah, there was no, no way I was going to get in during the during the uh, the Obama administration. Obama Biden. So, uh, what kind of negotiations are going to get underway here? Now, the negotiating teams have already met, and now we're going to have the alleged one-on-one. Listen, I've tried not to be uh, overly dramatic about this. But we are getting close to the point where we have to figure something out. Uh, I had about 72 hours wasted over the weekend. All right, so what do we need to know? Next. This is The Schnitt Show. Every day at schnitshow.com. I doubt we'll know anything about the McCarthy Biden meeting. You know, what I'd like to know is if Biden remains awake during the whole meeting because uh, this, kind of late in the day, this is really dipping into uh, beddy time, sleepy time uh, for uh, President Biden. So what do we know? Well, we know that, uh, what, the weekend was wasted. 72 hours over the weekend, as far as any kind of negotiation. And listen, I don't know how, uh, where the two sides are. It's kind of hard to see how both sides are going to come together with something that can pass both chambers, let alone pass it in time. Now, while McCarthy described the call uh, with Biden as productive, I don't think he was overly optimistic. He told reporters on Capitol Hill yesterday, we're still apart, there's no agreement. Now, I have new McCarthy from a little earlier today. I'll play that in a minute. Now, before their conversation, Biden accused extreme MAGA Republicans of not wanting to negotiate in order to hurt him politically and make sure he doesn't get reelected. He also publicly acknowledged that he has the legal authority to invoke the 14th Amendment but doesn't have the time, which is, well, what I concluded on uh, one of the shows last week. You know, that's exactly what I just said. So here's where we think that things stand. Now, Republicans say top-line spending levels are key to getting a deal. They're insisting on spending less money in fiscal year 2024, which begins October 1st, than in fiscal year 2023, which ends September 30th, calling that demand a red line. Now, for its part, this year and next, uh, if you look at the numbers here, the White House has proposed keeping spending flat. The Pentagon would absorb some of those cuts. Well, I don't know if this is a time where the Pentagon needs to be absorbing cuts. Uh, however, you know, the the continuation on that uh, $900 hammer and the, you know, $1,000 toilet seat. Remember those stories uh, from back in the, what, the 80s and the 90s? Uh, 60 Minutes did a whole piece 
on uh, Pentagon uh, overspending. I mean, really, just uh, it, it made me nauseous. It made me want to, you know, hurl all over the place the uh, the amount of money. There need to be federal investigations after what 60 Minutes had on last night about overspending. And, for instance, uh, one supplier charging over $10,000 for an oil pressure switch that could be had online for $348 or something. $348, and the Pentagon is paying over ten grand for the same exact thing. I mean, it's ridiculous. The gouging is just unbelievable. And uh, I know that the Boeing, Lockheed, General Dynamics, I mean, a lot of the companies are embroiled in this. And there needs to be a full-blown investigation. And anyone that has defrauded us, the American taxpayers, uh, should go to jail. And a lot of this, again, is blamed on the fact of the consolidation in the in the industry. The whole defense industry used to have dozens and dozens and dozens of contractors. And it's been uh, winnowed down to just uh, a handful of major contractors. So what happens? Less competition. Prices are uh, higher. But there is flagrant abuse and flagrant overcharging that's being alleged. And in fact, uh, well, I think he's retired now, but the, one of the guys being interviewed uh, used to work for one of the major defense contractors selling stuff and then kind of flipped, went to the other side and became uh, the like this chief auditor inside the Pentagon, inside the Department of Defense. And he was there to find all the uh, the shenanigans. And there's a lot of crap going on, folks. I'm telling you right now. So, uh, yes, can we cut down on waste? Uh, do we need to pay a fair price so companies can make a fair profit and not a gouge profit? Absolutely. So can we uh, be more efficient in our spending? Absolutely. Are we paying uh, way too much for uh, a lot of items? Uh, absolutely. I know they've cleaned some things up. I think they've they've wiped uh, hundreds and hundreds of million dollars of, of cost off of like the Patriot missile system. Uh, we were just getting overcharged. So anyway, I, right now, uh, you know, cut the waste out. But if anything, we need to be spending more on defense at this point with all of the uh, accelerating issues that we have with Russia and China, uh, Iran, North Korea. The world is becoming more and more dangerous by the second. Yeah, this is a time where we need intense R&D, intense weaponry, and uh, we need to be uh, stockpiling and making sure we have everything we need. China, Taiwan, I mean, listen, we got all kinds of problems. So, again, defense is an area where we should not be cutting. So I don't know if i like to see, uh, you know, the Pentagon absorbing some of these uh, big, massive cuts. And some Republicans want that. Cut out the waste, but make sure that we have everything we need because we are going to be, I, I truly believe, in the next years, uh, five, ten years, I truly believe we're going to be fighting for our life. So, um, uh, again, uh, you know, as far as, uh, you know, the Pentagon cuts, uh, you know, some on the far, far right, they want to see cuts everywhere. The negotiators, and this is very important, so you've got some Democrats that want uh, Pentagon cuts. Uh, you have some Republicans that want Pentagon cuts, but the actual Republican negotiators do not want the Pentagon cuts. And really, that's probably what matters, unless you get the likes of uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and some of the real pains in the asses, some of the uh, the Capitol Hill lice 
uh, on the far, far uh, right that could be problematic uh, that want to see us default, uh, you know, just for the – and listen, you got you got lice on the left as well. you got left lice like AOC and Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar and, you know, the progressive uh, wackos. So, listen <laughs> – what we know is we've seen the demonstrations of how far apart the sides are. You know, Republicans, for a change, have had more cards to play in this negotiation. But again, I would warn my fellow Republicans, do not overplay the hand. You know, the political stakes are very high here, but uh, nearly as high as the real life, real world, real time financial catastrophe that you know, could result from us defaulting on our loans. You know, it's also important to not uh, and to make sure that, uh, you know, even if Biden and McCarthy manage somehow to reach some kind of an agreement this week, it's still uh, possibly very tough to get it through the House, which has been demanding a, a rubber stamp vote by the Senate on the House bill, which has already passed. So listen. We might hear that Biden and McCarthy have come to an agreement in principle, but uh, <laughs> it doesn't mean that it's going to pass. So I, I got to be honest. Do I ultimately think things will work out? They seem to always. However, this time does feel a little different, and this feels like uh, the brinksmanship is much greater than any of the debt ceiling fights in the past. So that's why I would be ultra, ultra cautious. And some of the effects, if we go into default and we can't pay our bills, you know, things are very, very real. You know, uh, Social Security checks are dependent upon this. Uh, Medicare is dependent upon this. Uh, veterans benefits dependent on this. Uh, all of the federal workers that get paid for the jobs they do, this is uh, completely at risk. Now, as far as the different sides, if you look at uh, what is at issue, you know, the Republicans want uh, these massive spending cuts. The Republicans want oil and gas uh, reforms on on permitting for drilling for oil and gas. And uh, we've talked about this extensively, uh, these requirements for working when you're on these uh, supplemental uh, assistance programs like food stamps or whatever. If you're able to work, you need to work in order to get these government handouts. Uh, I mean, hello? <laughs> I have no problem with that. Yeah. And then the Democrats, you know, they want uh, renewables permitting, uh, they uh, oppose this whole, oh, you got to work in order to get government handouts. Oh, what a shocker. So the Democrats are fine with people sitting at home on their asses and just uh, eating Little Debbie snack cakes and watching uh, TV all day long instead of able-bodied people getting out and getting a freaking job if they're going to get government assistance. So, listen, those are just some of the uh, examples of the sticking points. Now, just a little bit of uh, Kevin McCarthy. This was earlier today. This was, uh, I want to say, uh, in, in the noon hour. And McCarthy on Capitol Hill, uh, reporters were swarming him, asking questions. And here's just Speaker a little, little Speaker sample. McCarthy, Speaker McCarthy, 
When you spoke, you've had, you've had discussions with the White House today, your negotiating team has. Have you made any progress in coming closer to the deal? Have they moved closer to your demands? I, I think the discussions today were understanding both sides, furthering discussing the areas where we have differences of opinion so they could brief the president as well, and I'll have a meeting with the president later today at 530. I mean, you have been very specific about the levels of spending, your spending levels that you're asking for. Have they come to that level yet, or are you still, are they, have they made any progress in your view? You're very good at reporting and asking questions, but we're not going to negotiate uh, with you. I'm sitting down with the president. I've been very clear from February 1st when I first met with the president. We never wanted to be at this date, but for almost 100 days, the president ignored. I know the president's now back in the country, so what we would like to do is sit down. We have to spend less than we spent last year, and you've got to know why. The Democrats spent $6 trillion. That brought us inflation, more dependent on on China. We've had three of the biggest four banks failures just in the last couple months. So what we want to do is limit the amount of spending that we could do in the future, about 1%. That is, that is a- and listen, uh, McCarthy's right. I mean, look at the economic problems under Biden. Inflation, uh, the bank failures. I mean, there's a lot of issues <laughs> that are on Biden. What was that, Sue? Uh, yeah, a lot of issues on Biden's watch. Really? Uh, Sue just told me the reports that uh, Kevin McCarthy had to nudge Biden at least twice to wake him up uh, during the meeting. Uh, I'm kidding. I'm joking. <laughs> no, but they're in the meeting right now. So we'll see what uh, McCarthy reports and what Biden says when they uh, come out of the meeting. All right. When we get back, final segment here on Schnitt. Are you up to speed on the latest Tucker Carlson conspiracy theory? Holy jamoli. Uh, also, there is some uh, crazy infighting inside the Trump legal camp. And something very, very unorthodox has developed with that uh, former Trump attorney uh, who left. Yeah, this is is very, very odd. This is uh, this uh Parlatory, Parlatory, who was a Trump lawyer who left. Well, he did an interview, and we'll get to that coming up. So we got the two chunks of really good audio you got to hear next on Schnitz. Stand by. Schnitt Show. List is on. Oh, well, I guess we knew this was coming. This has just come out. E. Jean Carroll has sued Trump again. <laughs> Remember, Trump called her a whack job? You know, after Trump lost the first lawsuit, called her a whack job. Well, now she's suing again. Let me see the latest here. Uh, so, uh, she's seeking quote, very substantial damages after Trump mocked her during that CNN town hall. Yeah. Uh, remember, uh, Carol was awarded, uh, what around $5 million in damages, uh, in the original trial found that Trump uh, was liable for sexual abuse uh, and defamation. And now another lawsuit has been filed. Wow. 
So why would Trump, again, just exacerbate the situation, hand her more ammunition for defamation? And uh, here we go. So uh, we've got a new uh, lawsuit uh, that's been filed. Uh, She's uh, filed. Well, actually, technically, she's filing for additional damages. Is technically what she's filed. So it's, uh, I guess, an amendment. I'm not a lawyer. But she's seeking additional damages for the comments that Trump made after the fact. That might require a whole new lawsuit. I don't know if additional damage. So this is just coming out. We don't have all the details yet. But uh, she's moving forward. And listen, legal experts said, uh, what the hell is Trump doing? Why? Why would he do this? Hey, let me play this uh, real quick here. Uh, This is a new Tucker Carlson conspiracy. And this is a video of Tucker Carlson's biographer who's putting out a book on Tucker Carlson. I wonder if he talks about uh, all the shenanigans behind the scenes where Tucker says one thing and did something else on the air. I wonder if uh, this biographer is going to, you know, talk about uh, Tucker Carlson and, uh, I mean, ridiculous things that he's uh, said, some of his crazy statements, uh, you know, seemingly in support of Vladimir Putin and Russia. I wonder if that's covered. Anyway, listen to this. This is Chadwick Moore, the Tucker Carlson biographer. Listen to this conspiracy theory. Hey, guys, Chadwick Moore here. I'm the author of a new biography about Tucker Carlson titled Tucker. Right, and I guess uh, you're also trying to promote that uh, new biography too, right? I have spent the last year researching and writing this book. And during that time, I've gotten to know Tucker, his family, his friends, and his staff very well. Oh, so it's it's going to be a fluff job. So there's not going to be anything hard-hitting, not pointing out all the uh, nasty things that uh, Tucker Carlson ought to be called on the carpet for, you know, deference to Vladimir Putin and why uh, Russia today and why Russia won state-controlled media like to use Tucker Carlson uh, video clips to, to bolster their positions. In fact, I've gotten to know Tucker the person, not the caricature that his enemies try to portray. Well... I was working closely with Tucker when he was taken off the air by Fox. And as some of you know, I was also a regular on his show. And I happened to be a guest on the final episode of the show, which right. was on April 21st. Right, anyway. Who still has not been arrested or charged. All right, so am I going to be able Ironic, to get to this? Possibly see. until after the next presidential election. All right. So let me, how much time do I have here? Do I have enough time? I don't I can't play the whole clip. Yeah, I don't have enough time to play the whole clip. Condition. But l- l- listen, listen, l- I can get this in. It listen. has now been reported Here. that his firing was a condition demanded by Dominion as part of the settlement with Fox. Although Dominion has denied this, my sources have intimate knowledge of the situation, and they have assured me, even before this news leaked, that that is, in fact, the truth. All right, so he's claiming that as part of the Fox settlement for the $787.5 million that Tucker Carlson was to be fired in a secret agreement in the settlement. Uh, Fox is vehemently denying that. See you tomorrow, folks. The Shit Show.